Hey guys, I'm Turlove. And I'm Emerson. We co-host a podcast at UW called Red Square. Every other week, we stand on Red Square and have conversations with people who open up to us about love, discovery, surprise, and sometimes even whales. We believe that each person has a story, and in sharing them, we can build a little more empathy on our campus. So head over to uwpodcast.com and listen to Red Square. Welcome and thank you for joining us here once again at the Boxy Podcast. I'm Josh Eddy. And I'm Caden Condor. And we're your guides at anything and everything college basketball related. Today is Friday, January 24th, and we'll have quite a bit to talk about today. We're going to do a little rapid-fire recap of this past week, talk a little bit about the Kansas-Kansas State brawl, and whatever else we want to talk about. It's going to be a little more informal today, mm-hmm. maybe less analytics and data-driven than usual, but more big-picture stuff. Yeah. And we've been on a week-long hiatus, but we're going to try and catch you guys up on everything that happened during the week. We're going to get started today with some rapid-fire. Yep, we're just going to show you guys everything that happened the past couple of days, starting out with West Virginia. West Virginia bounces back with a 97-point demolition of Texas, and the seat under Shaka Smart is getting hotter than the sun as he still has yet to win a game in the NCAA tournament since he has come to Austin. And Wet Virginia shot over 50% from the field to give the Longhorns their largest loss ever as a Big 12 school. Kansas smacks its little brother with Silvio DeSosa, offering a chair for the Wildcats to try and get them up to the Jayhawks level at the conclusion of this game. And it's ironic because Sosa, he's doing a lot of sitting this season. He's averaging 2.6 points in four minutes. So maybe throwing the chair was his way of taking out his frustrations for all the sitting he's been doing. Villanova grabs an important home win over a struggling Butler team. Lavelle Jordan's squad can't make heads or tails of this stretch as it's lost three straight to fall to fifth in the Big East. And Butler's schedule has gotten a whole lot tougher these past games, and it doesn't get any easier when they face Marcus Howard and Marquette tonight. TCU stuns Texas Tech in Fort Worth by a score of 65-54. to Chris Beard's Red Raiders seem to be in a bit of a funk right now, but continue to be an elite team with high freshman upside as it heads into the back half of the season. And six losses already for Texas Tech is a worrying number, especially for a team that exceeded expectations last year. Maryland gets its first road win of the season over Big Ten juggernaut Northwestern. And Maryland coming back down to earth. It's been a long season, and the weak non-conference schedule made their record way better than they actually were. Memphis gets doubled up at Tulsa. Yeah, you heard that. Penny learns the hard way that he's actually going to have to coach and not have to just rely on talent after getting crushed 80-40. to 40. Yeah, in Memphis, they probably won't make the tournament this year. It will be interesting to see if they can improve this season, though. Iowa picks up its third-ranked win of the season over Rutgers. Luka Garza continues to be the most impressive Luka in all of basketball and is making a case for Player of the Year with a 28-13 outing over the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, Luka Garza and Miles Powell are the two most impressive players I've seen so far this year. Speaking of Miles Powell, Seton Hall continues to ball in its nine-point victory over Providence. The Pirates now command the Big East with a perfect 7-0 record in conference. And Miles Powell, he's averaging 22 points per game this season, and he's playing like the most valuable player in the nation. Ohio State has now lost six of its last seven, and the Buckeyes can't exercise the demon of Marcus Cobb as Minnesota sweeps the season series in Columbus. This Ohio State team is just falling apart. They're in jeopardy of missing the tournament this year. 
The Hoosiers were rocking in Assembly Hall with a nail-biter win over Michigan State. The Spartans remain a high upside team in the nation, but its lack of consistency may prove to be a problem in March. And the Big Ten is proving to us how difficult it is to win on the road in this conference. Oregon outlasts USC in double overtime, but it was Chris Duarte that stole the show in this one, with 30 points, 11 rebounds, and 8 steals. The Ducks continue to appear to be the class of the Pac-12. And Oregon, they just continue to win these close games, which is a good sign for success in the NCAA tournament. All right, so that's kind of most of the big games that happen. There's a few others we uh, may touch on a little more than others, but that's kind of the overall uh, scope of what's been going on the last couple of days. A lot of a lot of upsets as usual. We've been seeing this a lot in the the country, but yeah, it's been a crazy year in college basketball. Yeah, but it's been a particularly crazy last I don't know 24 48 hours. And nothing has really changed. We expected things to kind of settle down a little bit, teams starting to improve, but really there has been the same amount of upsets that there's been throughout the whole season. Yeah, we've really really been waiting for those couple of teams to really break through as those true contenders. And I mean, we see Baylor and Gonzaga at the top right now, but I'm not sure how many people are really sold on them as, as far as national perspective of this is a team that's definitely going to be one of the teams we're seeing in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into some of the weirder things that happened. This, uh, so, yeah, this, this past week of college basketball was pretty crazy, even with stuff that didn't actually have an in-the-game necessary. Uh, the big one that everyone's talking about, Kansas, Kansas State. This one that happened in Lawrence on Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday night, but so Kansas kind of giving Kansas State the beans a little bit. They're up by up by big on their rivals rival uh, school there, Kansas State. Towards the end of the game, Sylvia DeSosa gets the ball stolen from him, and they're up like I don't even know 30, 40 points. And the guy that stole the ball went to go try and get the layup, and DeSosa traced it down and blocks him. It was a really good block, but then after that, kind of stood over his body, kind of led to a fight, a little bit of a skirmish, and. I'm sure you guys saw it. This is the thing everyone saw everyone was talking about. Was it started to escalate, and Sylvia DeSosa actually picked up a chair and uh, tried to maybe use it, maybe wield as a weapon, but instead he decided to smartly put the chair down and not actually do any harm with it. But mm-hmm. there was a, still a lot of suspensions to come out of this. Yeah, and let's try and break this down kind of step by step as to what happened. What actually happened on the court was completely fair to me, and Sylvia DeSosa was completely in the right mind blocking that shot, oh, you yeah. know? Because the steal, there's two seconds left in the game, the steal is completely unnecessary, doesn't need to happen. And the guy, let alone, steals it and goes for the bucket at the last second. So DeSosa was completely in the right to make that block. Now what happened after that, that's where things start getting a little bit sketchy and suspensions start getting put out. Yeah, and it, you probably remember a few, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, Kansas played against Monmouth in in Lawrence. This happened, and they were up, I think, 50 points on them. And a player on Monmouth steals the ball in the exact same situation where Kansas is kind of just trying to dribble out the clock. He steals the ball, runs down, and dunks it. And then he starts running down the court saying, I don't give a F, and gets a technical foul, which I actually kind of loved that he just went for it. Yeah. But that was definitely in the back of Kansas's mind, that, definitely in the back of Sylvia DeSosa's mind when this was happening. He said, I'm not going to give up this bucket. And he went and got the block, and then he stood over the guy's body, and that kind of what, what led to it. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the suspensions now, and, and DeSosa was the guy that got hit the biggest with 12 games. What were your thoughts on, on that suspension? Well, I just thought it was funny, like we mentioned in the rapid fire, because it's not like DeSosa is a key player for Kansas at no. all. He's not making huge contributions. Like we said, he's playing four minutes, and he's averaging 2.6 points a game. So the suspension doesn't mean anything really to Kansas. It's really just a cursor for what to expect in the future with the NCAA when you're getting into fights. Because, I mean, P- 
picking up a chair and even threatening to hurl it is kind of a big deal, and it's kind of never before been seen in college basketball for a player to go that crazy, at least in a couple years. Um, so I think the suspension was correct, and I don't think it will have a huge deal on Kansas. I don't think they really care. DeSosa is the only one maybe who I think is really caring about this at this point. Yeah, no, seriously, it's tough for him because he was in the, the middle of the whole FBI investigation a couple of years ago with the Adidas the Adidas probe, that, and he was the guy that got caught, unfortunately. I mean, not totally caught, but the, he was the guy that was looked into, and he actually wasn't even able to play for, I think, all of last season. So he kind of got finally got back into the fold. Now it seems like he hits another speed bump. So, I mean, everything I hear about him is everyone says, oh, he's a, he's a great, great guy, and uh, he's just kind of gotten in some tough situations. Mm-hmm. So I, I do feel bad for him in that regard, but at the end of the day, this was his fault, and he, he did kind of bring this upon himself. Yeah, and he's got plenty of talent, I'm sure. I don't doubt that, and I'm, I'm sure he'll improve. I'm, I think he'll probably stay at Kansas for a senior year. So I think he'll be a valuable player at that point, but obviously he has a lot of maturing to do, and a, a lot of growth needs to happen before he gets there. This is um this is a phenomenon, that, this event right here. is I'm still workshopping the name, but... This reminded me of last year when Zion played against North Carolina and he busted through his shoe and he got hurt and everyone's talking. And th- this is the thing about these isolated events where the the entire media, sports media landscape, even people that don't care about sports, are chiming in on it. I saw on Twitter this night, everyone had their opinions on what should happen to this. So I said, there's people like, I don't, like, I don't, they don't watch college basketball, so it's kind of tough to take their word. And uh, the, the term I'm working on is, uh, it's a Cinderella moment. Which is it's kind of tough because like you have your Cinderella's in the tournament, but I think with with the Zion with the shoe trying to make that connection uh, might be a bit of a stretch there. I'm still workshopping the name a little bit, but it's just the one isolated event that happens every year in college basketball that brings everyone in to pretty much complain about something, and even the people that don't watch college basketball. And that's that I think that's what we what we saw on Tuesday. Well, and you said they were only really interested in the suspension for a night, right? Yeah, And that's the attention span of the media and people nowadays. <laughs> people really can't focus on things for more than one or two days, and then it's irrelevant to them. They might hear it in the news, but they won't actually you know, address their opinion or have something to say. It's really kind of the night it happens, maybe the next day that people chime in, and then after that, clean slate. Onto yeah. the next thing, you know, and, and then Zion has his debut in New Orleans, and everyone's talking about that, and it, it just it all it's a it's a cycle, and that's what the media, and, and especially social media, it does. It, it the attention span of everyone is so short, it's so quick twitch that people get so outraged and have to have the loudest opinion in the room for one night, and then move to the next thing, and it's completely forgotten about. And then meanwhile, you have like a guy like DeSosa that it doesn't move on after twenty four hours. It, it's still his reality today that. He almost did something really bad, and he's now going to be able to play for yeah. a few weeks now for the for definitely the Definitely a negative part of social media in that regard because <laughs> players back in 1970, 1980, they didn't have social media. So if somebody gets into a fight then, it's kind of just bad blood on the court. But after that, you're suspended, and nobody hears about it. It's kind of nobody has an opinion. You kind of stick to yourself. So definitely, definitely the game has been changing in that way. Something that just players, they have to deal with. They have to grow up quickly or else mm-hmm. they're going to have to deal with everybody on social media bombarding them, yeah. telling them their opinion on them, <laughs> which I'm sure nobody wants to hear. Yeah, yeah, I can't block that stuff out. Yep. I wanted to kind of go into some uh, – everyone's got their takes on this this fight and the suspensions and whatnot, but I got some uh, some sarcastic zags. So everyone zigs and zags in the media, media circus, but these are some – don't take these seriously, but these are kind of – 
some uh, <laughs> some old jokes I had. So here we go. So one thing, the guy, how, how did Sosa get the stool? Someone had to be sitting on it. I think it was actually a photographer. So had that photographer just stayed sitting in that stool, then DeSosa would never even gotten it. So we maybe we're shifting the blame to the wrong person here. <laughs> maybe the photographer should have been suspended. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he stays sitting, sitting, we don't even have this conversation. So that's something True. we gotta think about. True. Also, to quote the great Leonard Hamilton a few years ago, the game was over. The game was over. The the clock hit zero. The buzzer went off. And maybe these were just the two teams. They were kind of, this is their way of shaking hands after the game. You know, you know, teams do that. They they're just boys being boys. You know, and that's it's a little rough and rowdy in Kansas. Everyone knows that. They, they grew up and they got uh, wrestle or brothers, and it's the same thing. So people people aren't asking about the cultural differences. I think that's something that we need to look into a little more. <laughs> yeah, the crowd was also cheering the cheering the players on. If you watch that video, <laughs> the crowd was totally into it. They were just like, "Let's go, let's watch a fight." <laughs> Uh, yeah, but those are obviously not real. Uh, is obviously not a Wait, great. Really? Those are those are. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. Take with that what you will. Uh, those were. It's not a good mark for college basketball, but I think people look into it a little too much. It's not. People think, oh, this is such a black mark in college basketball. This stuff happens in MLB all the time. Oh, no yeah. one cares. It happens in hockey almost every game. No yeah. one cares. Even I mean, it's not as bad as the Ma- uh, Mason Rudolph, Miles Garrett earlier in the year for the. NFL, I, I don't really want to get into that, but it's just, it's not, people make a big deal about it because yeah. they have to. And it's, yeah. But the I, fact that it happened to Kansas, that's not surprising <laughs> at all. Of all schools, yeah. Like, this will give them a little more juice maybe down the stretch. Yeah, they had a fight for DeSosa, who fought for them. <laughs> I just want to touch base on a couple other quick things that happened that were kind of weird. Uh, so there was a shot clock malfunction in the Gardner-Webb game. Uh, this, this is the kind of information you get at our podcast. No one else is talking about Gardner-Webb basketball only here at the box seat podcast but so the, there was a shot clock malfunction and they delayed the second half of the game and it's gonna be played on february 24th so that's a month from today actually but <laughs> so they're gonna have the, all the same stats and the uh, started at the second half and all the same players and it's like uh, what I, is I, the reasoning for I, not restarting the game if I, you're if you're playing at a different location on um, a different day. Over a month away, yeah. Over a month away. Things are going to be different. There could be players injured, and they're going to have three fouls in the game, possibly. Yeah, no, exactly. And they're going to be all going to be fresh. It, I don't know. It's just also funny how this is still, like, this is something that's happening in 2020. Well, like, it's just it's just sad. I understand the shot clock malfunction, but to restart the game with the same score, the same fouls, no, 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 probably the same. Uh, they're, they're, okay, yeah. They're, sorry, yeah, go for it. Yeah, like, the same fouls, probably the same players on the court. All that information seems so unnecessary because I, I'm not sure if the coaches would want that yeah, either. There still has to be a winner of the game. And do you know? Do you know what the score was when? The, I don't remember. I think it was kind of close. Actually, I think it was like an eight-point game or something. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. If it's kind of close, then just reset it. Yeah. If it's oh. a blowout, I understand keeping the same <laughs> score. Like one team definitely wants the blowout, and the other team, you know. But if this close, the score is the same. Just reset it. Yeah. Whatever it's Gardner Webb, so I don't think anyone's gonna get. get I won't be too, watching, too but I'm just up. I'm just concerned about them. <laughs> uh, there's another little, no, not really a fight, but there's an Illinois player. I think his name was Alan Griffin, if I remember correctly. But they were playing Purdue, and one of the Purdue players, Stefanovic, he's a he's kind of a sharpshooter for that team. But he was down on the ground, and this Illinois player like intentionally stepped on his chest as he was walking over really? him, which was like shades of Grayson Allen. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. That's literally no one's even talking about it, huh. and like. 
when Grace and Alan did it, had, like, everyone, <laughs> that's all anyone cared about. Yeah, it was great. Also, uh, the Riff Patino, uh, you guys may have seen this on Twitter, but there's a Kentucky distillery called, I forget what it's called, it's like New Riff or something like that, but they had a bur- bourbon bottle for uh, Rick Patino, and Rick Patino, noted coach of both Kentucky and Louisville, won national titles at both. Well, I mean, he won at Kentucky. He had a redacted title at Louisville. And if you know college basketball, you know about the rivalry between those two oh, schools, definitely. Louisville and Kentucky. The very, very one-sided rivalry. The second-best rivalry in college basketball. <laughs> but, yeah, this, so there is a, uh, a picture of the this new bourbon bottle. I think it's going to be the label on it. But it was depicting the two sides. It was almost like a two-faced kind of thing of Patino at Kentucky and Louisville. So the Kentucky side is just all pristine. It's It's got a bunch of players holding up the, the trophy, and he's in a nice suit and nice hair. And then on the other half, it's just all dark. It's like the Upside Down and Stranger Things, if you guys have seen that. He looks like Two-Face from The Dark Knight, and he's all got a tattered suit. And then with all the Louisville players, they're all at a strip club, it appears, and they're throwing money on a, a woman dancing on a pole. And, the, and the, the most sinister part of this whole thing is there's a depiction of a number five player on Louisville, which, if you guys remember, is what Kevin Ware wore when he was playing at Louisville during that championship run. The guy that had one of the most gruesome leg injuries in all of sports in, I think it was the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. And he's in a wheelchair in this picture, and he's throwing money at the dancer. And I think that was a pretty bad taste, but it's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and me and Josh were talking about this before the show, but we were questioning the legality of this whole situation. You're... <laughs> portraying a former college basketball player and profiting assumedly profiting off of it with that just with that whiskey company or whatever it is yeah bourbon but yeah bourbon yeah yeah, yeah it's whatever college basketball fans are crazy yeah that's <laughs> true they'll do anything <laughs> all right we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back and we're back so josh we're gonna talk a little bit about the washington huskies do we have to <laughs> uh just for a bit they played last night they took a tough loss to utah they were up basically the whole game winning and then in the final two minutes they just couldn't score they blew it and they ended up losing the game by was it two two points uh yeah it was two points. yeah two, they ended up losing by two to utah i think it was only one but whatever it yeah matter. one point not a good win not a good loss at all i mean it was at utah but Utah's not a very good team no. they really only have one or two players that can put the ball in the basket what were your thoughts after watching that um just the i mean it's the same problems we've been seeing from Washington pretty much all years is the inability to create offense. It seems like the only way to create offense for this team is is through Isaiah Stewart and teams know that that they know that Washington's only weapon is Stewart for the most part. And when the going gets tough they just try and get it into him and they can't usually they end up turning the ball over more often than they can get the ball to him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to, especially there's no guys that can really create off the dribble. It doesn't seem like Marcus Sahonis has has been good but he doesn't do enough really to, to attract the defense mm-hmm. and the defense can kind of collapse on Stewart, and there's yep. no real outside threats that, that make him pay for that. So, Yep, just touching on that idea of Stewart really quickly, all all teams have to do down the stretch is double-team Stewart, and we don't really have any options after that. I mean, we do have options, but we don't know how to, how to use them. And this is the same problem, like you were saying, that we've had in the last four or five games, the latter part of this losing streak that we're experiencing, is down the stretch, our offense just disappears, our execution disappears we don't really know what we're doing what plays that we're running and we just kind of let teams creep back into the game and you can't do that against these tough teams obviously utah is not not a tough team but against teams like oregon which 
We lost two over the weekend. Yeah, we don't have to talk about that one either. <laughs> no, Peyton Pritchard saying this is my this is my court. Or yeah, yeah, we don't even talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was really close to going to that game, and Whoa. I was I was really on the fence about it, even because I knew I would have had to go early because there been a lot of people would have been a packed house, but. I decided against it, thanks to my buddy for talking me out of it, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so I, I'm definitely happy to not not go to that one. Yeah, thanks. Shout out to Whistler for talking me out of going <laughs> yeah, to that exactly. one. Exactly. Although I did still watch it there, and it yeah, it's painful. The same result. But yeah, it's. I mean, this one was a slower death than the Oregon one. The Oregon yeah. one was like watching a car crash in slow motion. And this <laughs> the second one, half, the first half of the Oregon oh, yeah. game was awesome. It was like we a took car ripping ninety down the freeway, ripping ninety down the autobahn, <laughs> and then in the second half. You know, the Autobahn ended, the speed limit slowed down to, like, 55, traffic started increasing, and our car just rammed straight <laughs> into the back of another, and it was just, yeah, we didn't you, really know you, what to do. You couldn't take your eyes away, but you knew exactly how it was going to end, and it, it's it's the same problem. The Stanford game a couple weeks ago also, just blowing these late leads, and it, it's just, it's tough to watch. It's a... It, watching the Huskies, it's because you know it's going to that whole Utah game. I guarantee you, no Husky fans were going into that. When you're up 12 in the second half, you said, okay, we've been here before. Yeah. I'm still not anticipating a win. Yeah. Now, the frustrating thing, I guess we can move on a little bit. Uh, yeah, we don't, from, we don't have to talk about Washington much more the rest yeah, of the season. <laughs> the last thing I want to say about Washington is what do you think that they can do to actually put themselves in a position where they can make the tournament? Obviously, their record right now is win not the great. Win the Pac-12 tournament. That's win, the answer. That's win, the only way they can make it in at this point. They have well, eight losses already. Well, teams have gotten in before with eight losses. Yeah, but they're not going to have eight losses when it's all said. Okay, well, if I'm they s- win out, then they're in yeah. the conversation. So I'm saying this is a team that has the talent, just the, just the talent, to win out. Yeah. They in, do. In theory, they could. In theory, yes. yes. They yeah. need a lot to change. <laughs> they need a lot to change. And a, a away loss to Utah... Utah was terrible just from watching that game. That's not going to help. But what do you think they can do to, let's say, win out or win the Pac-12 tournament? They're going to need a better guard play, just plain and simple. Uh, Guys like Sahonis and Battle, who they're going to have to start. That was one of the things I was kind of surprised about was Jamal Bay starting yesterday at at the point. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Hop kind of was going away from that after that Oregon game when Sahonis played so well. And that was kind of surprising to me because it doesn't seem like doesn't seem like Jamal Bay. I, I like him. I think he's a really good player. He's just not a point guard, so I'm okay. not sure why he's still running him out at the point. But, yeah, it's just going to have to be a really high-level guard play from Sohonis and Battle, who, which is a really hard task to, to ask for because they're two freshmen that haven't okay. played much this season. So do you not expect more from the older guys? Do you think those guys are, let's say, Nas Carter, Amir Wright, do you think those guys are doing their jobs? Because what you're, tell- what you're saying is that Sohonis and... Raekwon Battle should be picking it up, but my thoughts on it were actually they were pleasant surprises. They were the guys who kind of made me think, okay, this team has a chance. But without Nas Carter, to me, and Hamir Wright, like significantly picking up their games, because Nas Carter was invisible last night. He was nowhere to be found. So I think those two guys, our upperclassmen, need to pick up their games and kind of support the freshmen who all the pressure's on them right now. Yeah, I think for me it's not as much about them being freshmen as much as them being ball handlers. I think what this team needs is someone to break down the defense off the dribble, and the the, the best position for that is the point guard. Mm-hmm. And that's – and, yeah, I agree with you, Nas. And actually, shout out to Hamir Wright. He was balling last night. He was. And But, yeah, those those guys haven't been – they haven't really taken a step up like we thought they would this year. So that that's kind of 
a, a part of the uh, the underperforming this year. But yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely problems to go around for this Huskies team. There needs to be better offensive schemes, I think. But Hopkins is still kind of learning the offense, and his it's only his third year coaching anywhere, like head coaching anywhere. He was a assistant under Jim Beheim before that, and he pretty much only focused on defense. So it's going to take a while for him to learn offense. He he's not going to get fired. People need to stop saying that. He's he won Pac-12 Coach of the Year twice in a row. All right, we don't we don't have to talk about Washington anymore unless you got anything quick. Uh, yeah. I mean, the only, the only the last thing I want to say about it is just the whole the whole coaching staff. It's just it's just so disappointing to me the way that the, these this Husky team has played. Like, I still can't really wrap my head around how bad they're playing because yeah. they do have so much talent. They do have the five star recruits. Next year will be better. We'll come back stronger for sure. <laughs> I don't have any doubts about that. It's always next year. But, man, this team has so much talent. It's just tough to watch. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely a rough time right now. So that brings us into our next little segment. I, I compiled this little list. This is for if your team sucks. And so the, the college basketball is starting to come to the forefront now. After college football is over, LSU won the national Finally. championship. Go Tigers. Took long enough. Exactly. NFL is almost done. Only Super Bowl left next week. Shout out to the Chiefs. My brother's a big Chiefs fan. Hopefully they get that win over the Niners. But for the most part, football's done. NBA's still in the swing of things. But college basketball's coming to the forefront now. And if your team sucks, like, I don't know, maybe Washington, North Carolina, uh, Washington State, Oregon State, Virginia, these teams that probably aren't going to make the tournament. I don't know Virginia's kind of a bubble team, but I'm, I haven't seen a lot of them lately. But these are some teams you could root for. These are some fun fun teams that you might like. Dayton. I really like Dayton. They're, I think, number seven in the country right now. They're a smaller mid-major school. Those are always fun to root for. They're a really fun team to watch. They jack up threes, move the ball really well, and Obi Toppin's awesome. So that's a team you could look for. Another team, San Diego State. They're also another small school mid-major. They have a chance to go for a perfect season. They're undefeated still. So that's something fun to look for. You could, you could root for the perfect season. And then uh, Michigan State really easy team to root for. Cassius Winston is amazing. He's one of the best point guards in the league. And uh, especially with all the stuff going around with this family before the season, uh, it's really fun to root for them. Also, the last Big Ten team to win it all was Michigan State 20 years ago to this year. So no Big Ten teams. Maybe they can come back and kind of break that curse. This one might be tough for Pac-12 fans, but Arizona has a really fun team to watch. If you like them, then you could root for them. As well as uh, Seton Hall, Miles Powell is one of the most electric players He's very fun to root for. So those are there's about five teams where if you have nowhere to look, those are those are good teams where you could you could start kind of pulling for them. Yeah, and right now I'm kind of in that situation because Washington, like you were saying, they haven't done anything this year, and North Carolina is probably <laughs> having a worse season somehow. They are having they're, a worse season. <laughs> yeah, they're at eight and ten, one and six in conference, and we're still just praying that Cole Anthony comes back. But at this point, we're gonna need we're gonna need more than just Cole Anthony. So. If I had to choose between any of these teams, I think I would. I think I would go with Seton Hall. I think I would follow and kind of, yeah, fo- kind of just root for Seton Hall if they can make the tournament and go far. I would definitely pick them just yeah. because I like watching Miles Powell. Yeah, I think he's just must-watch TV. Anytime he's playing, he you should probably watch him because you oh, don't yeah. know what he's gonna do on any given night. No, these are these are all fun teams with with legitimate chances to win at all. So. Yeah, pick, pick your take your pick a litter, adopt the team now, get your bandwagon form filled out, 
It's not It's not too late. You could still jump yeah. on to Dayton, San Diego State, Michigan State, Arizona, Seton Hall. Look for those teams. Uh, those, those are fun teams to root for. And you know what? That kind of that kind of lifted my spirits a little bit. I was kind of feeling in the dumps, but I appreciate a, I appreciate giving us those options. There's because, a lot of fun teams in college basketball. And yeah, it's it's a crazy season. There's a lot of parity, but there's so many teams out there that I think are really good and may only be like an eight seed or something like that. Yeah, and these teams are they're still under the radar. They don't have huge followings like Kentucky and those blue bloods. No. So they're, they're still State's enjoyable to follow. I'm not a bandwagoner if I root for Seton Hall. Like I'm no. just kind of following a good team that nobody really knows much about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, shout out, shout out Seton Hall. All right. Um, I don't know. There's a couple other things, but I kind of want to go through a lot of the teams. So I mean, just kind of giving you guys a, a scope of the landscape of college basketball right now, at least through my eyes. I kind of separate most of the teams in the top 25 into into different categories, so you guys can kind of understand where where they their trajectories have been this season and maybe what to expect in the future. So the favorites right now, uh, these are kind of just the blue bloods, the, the teams that everyone knows about. I have Gonzaga, Kansas, Duke, and Louisville. Uh, the, I think those are just blue bloods everyone knows. They're kind of favorites as far as the national perception. Those are those are teams always towards the top this, this season. Uh, the peaking too early, which I, I put a question mark after because I'm not sure I just want to look out for that because I like both these teams, but they might be peaking too early. Got to look out for that. Baylor and Seton Hall, both been playing really good lately. We'll see if they can continue it through the back half of the season. Mm-hmm. These are the media darlings, the the teams the media love. San Diego State and Dayton, two small schools. The media love the small schools. And uh, even Oregon, not a small school, but everyone's drooling over Peyton, Peyton Pritchard. Pritchard yep. And he, as much as Washington fans don't like him, he has been balling this season. He's come up really big in a lot of games. So everyone, everyone really likes Oregon, besides maybe Washington and Arizona fans. Yeah, just just some Pac-12 schools. <laughs> yeah, just maybe 11 Pac-12 schools. <laughs> yeah, the people Pritchard actually plays against. These are the under-the-radar teams. Florida State, you might be thinking, why are they under the radar? They're the five team in the nation right now. No one's talking about Florida State Nobody. at all. No one's talking about them. So we'll see We'll see if they can kind of continue to, to fly on the radar in that weak ACC Michigan State, uh, they've been kind of inconsistent but still have really high upside. Cassius Winston still might be the best player in the nation. Texas Tech has also had struggles, but they've been injured a lot. I think Chris Beard's one of the best coaches in the nation, and I think that's a potential Final Four team. Iowa as well. Luca Garza has emerged as a force. Iowa's balling right now, and Luca Garza is a big reason for it. These are teams that are in the beginning of a free fall. Uh, Butler is kind of falling apart. Look out! Uh, that hope oh, maybe they'll bring it together. Christian David just got hurt, one of their better defenders, so he's gonna be out for I think the rest of the season. So they seem to be faltering a bit. Auburn, your Auburn Tigers, and he takes on how uh, Bruce Pearl's teams lost. I think was it now three? Is it three? It started two or three, but yeah, they've been. Oh no, they, I think they bounced back, but they lost two. Okay. They lost two in a row. One to Alabama. They'll rivalry. Okay, that's no, okay. One to Florida. Okay, both those losses are okay, and. It was bound to happen at some point. No team is going to go undefeated in the college basketball season. So it was bound to happen. You know, I was expecting it. <laughs> I still have faith in these guys. I still think they're good enough to make a run in March. Another one that's gone in the free fall, Michigan. Remember this? You remember Michigan being number four in the nation? Remember that? That was weird, right? <laughs> it definitely happened at some point. I don't remember it, but... Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, it's a little foggy, but yeah, that defense <laughs> just falling apart right yeah. now. I mean, that's pretty much how the rankings have been all year. Yeah. Like, the, uh, these teams, these unranked teams, 
I see. I'm looking at Carolina. They were ranked sixth at one point <laughs> in the season. We're now one and six in conference and yeah. eight and ten overall. Oh, like, yeah. there's would, no reason we should be in the top ten. I was gonna go through this week two top twenty five, but then I decided against it. But you brought it up, so I'm gonna get okay. Yeah, let's this do it. Is, let's do it. Not all the teams, obviously, but this is some teams in the top. 25. And this is just to show you guys how much the rankings have changed <laughs> over the past couple months. Okay, number six was North Carolina. So we have no business being there ever, No, just to be clear. Number nine, Virginia. They might not make the tournament this year. Yep. Like, Virginia is decent, but they're not like good. they were ranked year. ninth. They're ninth. Number 13, Memphis, which, I mean, that I think they still have Wiseman at the time, so I guess that's fair. They just lost by 40 to Tulsa, though. <laughs> this was this is the second week of second the Second week, yeah. yeah. So this is like after a week of games have been played. Uh, number 15 was Florida, which they were Your even Gators. higher. They're, yeah, they were even higher in the, in the preseason bowl. Where, where have they gone? Uh, well, they're coming, they beat Auburn, so. <laughs> so uh, number 16, Ohio State. Uh, yeah, they're in trouble. Number 17, Utah State. They fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, well, yeah I, I, I was pretty high I haven't them. heard anything about them. They've, I mean, I don't know. We'll I'm see. I'm sure they've lost games. They've lost a lot. I remember they lost to Air Force, and I was like, all right. That's yeah. trouble. Number 20, uh, Washington. <laughs> Jeez. Number, I mean, and that was after we had beaten Baylor, Baylor I yeah, think. Yeah. So that was a huge win. We were all... Super hyped, and look where we are now. Mm-hmm. Number 21, Xavier. They've also fallen out of, uh, out of the rankings and may not, may not make the tournament. And number 24 is Baylor, who's the number one team in the country right now. So, yeah, uh, whatever. It's just a little fun exercise to look at how much stuff has changed. But yeah. And I'm sure if we took the screenshot of where the rankings were at today, it would be much different, much yeah. different in a month and a half. So yeah. we'll, we'll definitely keep you guys updated on yeah. that. Yeah. On that note, uh, the last two groups I have for teams kind of in the national national eye. Uh, this is my group of pretenders. These are teams I don't believe in. As, as of right now, Villanova, I still ha- I've not believed in them all season. I still don't. Maryland, uh, <laughs> for obvious reasons, Maryland is not to be trusted. Uh, Kentucky, I'm still not sold Kentucky. on. You don't believe in Kentucky? Nah. You don't I believe th- in John Coach Calipari? He's I mean, write the they, shit, I think they'll make like a sweet 16, line. but that's probably about as far as they go. Uh, Memphis also, my God, losing by forty to Tulsa. Yeah, that's uh, about as bad as it gets. And we talk about teams peaking too early. These are teams that have been waiting to peak. They're they're poised for a comeback second half of the season. We got Florida. They they're waiting. They're they're waiting to use their their nods like in their like in their uh, Fast and Furious. They gotta save it. Don't want to use it too early. They want they're saving it for the back half of the season. So look for them to kind of start <laughs> okay. getting back in the top twenty five. Also Ohio State. They're waiting. They're waiting to peak. Don't want to go too early. They're losing these games now. It's better to lose games in January yep. than lose games in March. Hundred percent. So that's why they're <laughs> they're losing these games now. January is the best time for all these good teams <laughs> to lose games. Like Auburn. This is uh, this is perfect. Yeah, for them. exactly. So yeah, those are teams to look out for that probably aren't gonna come back, but maybe because <laughs> they still got a lot of talent. You got anything else for today? I think. Or uh, I think, on this one. Yeah, I think we covered everything we needed to cover. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Uh, I'm Caden Condor. I'm Josh Eddy. Uh, this has been the Box Seat Podcast. If you guys do have any questions for us, hit us up on Twitter at the Box Seat. We will definitely respond. Um, and we will see you guys on Monday for our next show. Thanks for listening.